It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient. Because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contract to pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Welcome in to the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. And I appreciate you joining us today. A lot to get to a little late today, but uh, I appreciate it. On Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe, iTunes, and audioboom.com. And so much to, to get to. And we have a really special guest, someone who joined me earlier today on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And it's really good stuff from profootballfocus.com, Sam Munson. He's on Twitter, at PFF underscore Sam. And he joined me. And I asked him about a bunch of stuff, but I started here with Sam. Andrew Whitworth, three years, $33.5 million is the contract. You look at his performance, Sam, it's really a two-year contract but with no guaranteed money in that year three. Is that worth it? Was Andrew Whitworth worth the money that the Rams paid him? Absolutely. I mean, the thing about Andrew Whitworth is it's really the age that's the only problem. The age is the thing that's going to scare teams away, that's going to make you worry about the money because he's 35 years old. And at some point, he is going to hit that cliff that all all players hit. You know, eventually you just stop being able to get it done. And as soon as you hit that kind of age, 35 years old, teams are just terrified of being one year too early. You know, one year you you... You're still on the hook for that extra year of big money, and the guy's no longer worth it. But there's no signs of it happening yet. I mean, Whitworth is still playing like a top three NFL offensive tackle. He allowed 15 total pressures in the entirety of last season. Um, you know, there are, there are players that allow that in a couple of game stretches. Um, and Whitworth just looks absolutely dominant. And the biggest thing is that the Bengals have now seen the players that they drafted to take over Andrew Whitworth. They've, they've seen those guys out on the, on the field, and it has not been good. So that alone, <laughs> you would think, would have meant that, you know, looking at that free agency period, they would have thought to themselves, okay, we, we drafted these two guys to ultimately take over from Whitworth exactly at this time, but we can't let him go given how badly they've played and how well he's been playing. Yeah, to, to me, he was their one must sign in in the biggest reason is as well as he's played i think cedric Obwehi, his the heir to the throne has played equally as bad yeah i mean i think that's a, a real issue you know uh, boy he played 680 snaps last season and allowed nine sacks which i think was the most among any offensive tackle in the nfl so they've had him out on the field they gave him a shot to kind of audition for the left tackle job last season and 
he clearly wasn't ready. You know, maybe he'll be able to develop and take a step forward, and, you know, there's still hope to salvage him as an NFL player. But as of right now, he, it, him starting at left tackle ought to terrify the Bengals. Sam, I, you also gave the Bengals a, a B for re-signing Brandon LaFell. And I thought he impressed last year in his first year with the Bengals. What, what did you see from him, and why the B grade? Yeah, I did as well. I thought he's he's a useful um, complementary wide receiver. You know, he's never going to be uh, a number one guy. He's never going to be an AJ Green. But when you look at that receiving core, I mean, Tyler Eifert is the big X factor. If they can keep him healthy, it obviously makes everything so much better. But you know, Tyler Boyd is developing or developed throughout his rookie season. I, I kind of like Cody Core as well. I think he's a talented young receiver. And Brandon LaFell, I think, is a pretty good guy to just sort of steer the ship as that second receiver to A.J. Green, be able to produce. You know, he had 800 yards, six uh, touchdowns last season, 64 receptions. This is a guy that can, you know, he's not going to blow open games for you. He's not going to be this monster dominant receiver, but he's a good number two receiver. I think it's a pretty good signing to get him back on a relatively modest contract. Joined by Sam Munson, profootballfocus.com. He's on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. Sam, let's take a look at at the the division. And I think Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, I like what they did. They might have paid a lot of money for Kevin Zeitler, but adding to that offensive line, what what did you think of what they've done so far this offseason? I really liked what Cleveland did. I I think Zeitler was an upgrade. I, I think they already had a couple of good guards, so it's an interesting move. Um, you know, but they rolled into free agency with over a hundred million dollars in cap space. So you knew they were going to throw away, throw around some money somewhere. So it, it's it's a curious move to pay so much for a guy like Zeitler when he's not that much better, I don't think, than John Greco. But given that they had to spend, you can't hate the move. You know, it's a it's an impressive addition. Um, but the move, I think, that's a, an even better one was getting J.C. Treader at center from the Green Bay Packers. This is a guy that every time he's been on the field, he's played really well. It's just he's never had the opportunity to start long-term and, and really nail himself down a, a spot. But he started seven games for the Packers last season and only allowed eight total pressures, was a top-five graded, ta- uh, graded center for us at the time when he had to make way for Corey Lindsay to take a starting spot back. Um, and they've got him for, you know, a really pretty cheap deal, and, and he should be a huge upgrade for them. And then, of course, the kind of the coup move of the entire free agent period was basically paying $16 million to get a second-round pick in 2018 from the Houston Texans. I mean, that was just an incredible deal. Incredible in a good way? Or just you For the Browns, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they, they basically bought a, a draft pick, which is – pretty much unprecedented. Yeah. You know, there were a couple of lower round picks thrown in there just to to make rules. You know, you can't literally buy draft picks. So I think that's an absolutely outstanding move. If they're able to adjust that contract, you know, pay him a, some of it as a roster bonus, make the deal more palatable for the rest of the NFL, and flip him for additional picks, it becomes even more ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely there. You, you mentioned center with J.C. Treader for the Browns. I, I think just... Looking at the Bengals' offensive line now with no Kevin Zeitler, with no Andrew Whitworth, is Russell Bodine, and this kind of scares me to say this, is he one of their better offensive linemen? <laughs> I mean, it becomes, <laughs> it becomes a very relative question. You know? oh, man. That offensive line on paper now looks very, very ugly. You know, that's, it's a 
big state of concern, I think, for this team. They have to be extremely worried about the the look of that on paper and, and presumably attacking it heavily in the draft. And, and Sam, speaking of the draft, the draft in, in 42 days, it, I've looked on profootballfocus.com. You guys are fans of Corey Davis from Western Michigan and him fitting in with the Bengals, what would he bring to a team like Cincinnati? Absolutely. I think he would bring that extra receiver, you know, opposite A.J. Green that we've been talking about. You At that point, you wouldn't need a Tyler Eifert anymore because you would have a second legit top receiver that would deserve his own attention when it comes to coverage. You know, Corey Davis is this big-bodied, impressive athlete, has incredible ball skills and body control and the ability to make kind of circus catches no matter where the ball comes to him. But he's also got some speed and some, you know, run after the catch ability. He really is a complete receiver, a complete number one receiver. The only knock on him really is that he's come from a, a small school and the, you know, the, um, the level of competition at Western Michigan isn't going to have been the highest it could have been. But so far, every time we've seen him go up against legit competition, he's um, stood up and, and risen to the occasion. Sam, I, I got one more question for you, and I, I think it's interesting because they won the Super Bowl, and yet it seems like they're just reloading like crazy. What, what are your thoughts just in general on what the Patriots have done so far this offseason? I think, you know, everyone talks about the rise of the spread offense in colleges and, and how it's become a real problem for evaluating quarterbacks and receivers. And, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of positions that I think it affects. But I think the Patriots have decided that it's become such a problem for a couple of key areas, receivers and offensive line in particular. And I don't think they're the only ones judging by what's happening in, in free agency. They've just decided that, look, we're going to go after these guys once we've seen them in the NFL for a few years. So, Instead of drafting a receiver in the first round who comes out of a spread system and only runs three routes and we just don't know how he's going to translate to, a, to a, an NFL offense, we're going to take a look at Brandon Cooks and we're going to see a guy that's been in the, the New Orleans offense for a few years and has been excellent and has you know, run the full route tree and dominated you know, at times. Mm-hmm. And we're going to send that first-round pick over there instead and we're going to bring in a guy. It may cost us a bit more in terms of contract, uh, but we at least we know this guy can get it done at this level. It's way easier to um, kind of scout a guy who's already in the league than it is to try and scout somebody from you know the Pac-12. So I, I think we're seeing a bunch of teams do that and decide that they're actually better off trying to trade for guys or acquire proven NFL talent at certain positions rather than risk these spread systems. He's Sam Munson with ProFootballFocus.com on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. I appreciate the time. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Sam Munson, profootballfocus.com. Great stuff from him. I agree. On paper, that offensive line, and you've heard me talk about wide receiver. I think the Bengals getting wide receiver, Corey Davis is the best one in this draft. If they can do that at number nine, it would change a lot for the team. Here's the thing. Here's one point only. If the the Bengals' offensive line isn't as good, and Corey Davis was one of the best in college football at yards after the catch, and he can bring that dynamic to the Bengals. Then Andy Dalton can drop back two seconds, throw it to Corey Davis, throw it to his weapons, and they can gain yards after the catch. That's why the Patriots are so great, because all of their wide receivers get yak. That's what they call it, yak, yards after catch. So if Corey Davis would be a game changer, I think he would help the Bengals' offense tremendously. 
starting this season, which is very important. I'm James Rapine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I thought that that Sam Munson interview was worth playing so you guys could hear the knowledge that he had, uh, not only with Cleveland, uh, with the Bengals, with the draft, because I think uh, the pro football focus, the analytics, that stuff is certainly something all fans should take into account. I appreciate you guys for listening on Twitter at locked on Bengals at James Rapine. Subscribe iTunes, audioboom.com. And until tomorrow, I'm James Rapine, and this is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.